0: We'll begin in uh, verse 16. Paul is praying, We cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places." far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under His feet and given, gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, that filleth all in all. I'd like to think tonight on verse number... Nineteen and verse number twenty, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, so as you think about this, this working this power that is working. And you know, maybe you could look at this and you could see it in the whole of what Paul is saying. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? I don't believe that Paul is praying that they might know about a power. But they might realize the power that has brought them to where they are. This power is already working in them. You know, all of this chapter thus far, from verse number from the short introduction, the first two verses, verse number three, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. From that verse to where we are right now, We've got the working of God, the working of the Son, the working of the Holy Ghost in us who believe to bring about salvation. And you know, all of this is to assure us, to confirm us, to give us a confidence, to give us a hope. I mean, a certain expectation. Well, how can you have such a hope? Well, in this verse, we have this hope, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward? Really, it's in us. It's not to us, but in us. This power that works in us. You know the reason you're saved? If you are saved tonight, is it because of the power of God working in you? It's not something that's going to happen. It is something that has happened. It is a power of God that is working in you. Paul is desiring that the Ephesians might come to the realization and the knowledge of this power that is working in them. Uh, if, you could, if you could grab a hold of this, verse 19 and verse number 20 half of verse number 20 is talking about us. The latter half and the next two or three verses, Paul leaves his thought. He leaves his thought of us being dead, of us being brought to life, and he, and he leaves that and goes to what God did when he raised Jesus. But in chapter number 2, verse number 1, he comes back to that thought. He comes back to what we were and the work that was done. So I'm going to read that. And would you follow with me? Verse 19. And I want you to know, what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So let's just hold right there. And you have he quickened, who were dead. You see how the thought goes? You see how the thought goes on? We were dead. How are we alive? We're alive by the mighty working of the power of God in us, not toward us. Paul's not praying that they might know about a power that they might have. He's talking about that they might know the power that's brought them to life. From the dead. Salvation is of the Lord according to Jonah. Is that right? You believe, uh, uh, I ask you this, verse, chapter number 2, verse number 1, if this is the same thought, where were we? We were dead. Can a dead man raise himself from the dead? It's the power of God that raised the dead man, isn't it? Isn't it the power of God that brought us from death unto life? Isn't it the power of God that translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son? I tell you, this is the power of God working in you now. If you're saved, thank God it's a power of God that has worked, that is working, and continues to work in you. It is a power of God that's brought us from life, uh, from death unto life translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, translated us out of the kingdom of the devil and out from the power of the devil and brought us into the kingdom of our heavenly Father, brought us by the power of God. He's wanting us to know. You know what that will bring? I'll tell you this, friend. If you really have been brought from light, been brought from darkness to light, been brought from death unto life, been brought out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, I believe this, you won't have any problem knowing that you're saved. The problem is, man thinking in his mind that there's been a work of God and no realization of it in the heart and in the soul. IT, if God ever moves in, there won't be a question of whether you're saved or not. There'll be a revelation of the working and the power of God in your life that'll be so great that you can't deny it. What's the problem with people that wrestle continually, continually, continually? that can 't have any victory that are that are continually living in sin and can't overcome, I tell you what the problem is. The problem is there 's never been a work of God done in the heart. Paul is wanting the people down at Ephesus to know about the great listen to how he says it that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, the surpassing greatness of his power how great is this power well let's just think about this that we what's he wanting them to know he's wanting them to be enlightened to the work of God know this this is not your work This is not you bringing yourself into the kingdom of God. This is not a work of God and a work of you. This is a work of God. And by the Word of God, verse number 4 and following, you know what it was? It was before the foundation of the world. Before you were. Uh, Jeremiah was told by God before you were ever conceived. I brought you. I ordained you as a prophet. That's the way God works. God doesn't need any input from you. God Almighty is going to carry out His work. And if we could be enlightened and come to that knowledge and realize that work of God has been done in a man, I say today, folks, if God ever moves into your heart, brings you off of the smut of walls of hell, brings you as a brand from the burning, brings you off of the brink of falling into hell headlong, ever brings you to the knowledge of your sin and saves you, you'll know about it. Well, I don't know if you can know or not. You're not talking about the salvation I'm talking about. I'm talking about a God-sent Holy Ghost salvation that'll make a new man and a new woman out of you. I'm talking about a salvation that'll put joy in your heart, i will put a skip in your step, that'll put a joy there that never was there before, that'll put a confidence there and an assurance by the working of the Holy Spirit of God in you. People are not saved. I tell you, God's not got a second-rate salvation. And God's not got a second-rate... Uh, 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 a little mully grub salvation. He's not got a salvation with no power of God. You know something? Uh, the salvation that you've got, uh, friend, you can't, uh, you're not able uh, to even overcome. I'll tell you, I've got a salvation that God is able to overcome me. You know what we do? We sit in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and there is nothing unusual going on in our lives. You tell me God moved in and there's nothing ever overcomes you, moves you, stirs you. God give you a song, give you a testimony, give you a prayer, give you a tear, give you a joy, give you anything. That's not God's salvation. We're not saved. People are not saved. Are you wanting God to help me or are you wanting God to help the crowd? (laughs) i tell you what I'd pray. I'd pray God help this group of people that they might know what real salvation is. God help this group. God help this community. God help our churches. God help the people around us that are sitting in the churches to have a realization of what God sent Holy Ghost salvation will do and change your life. I appreciate you, brother. I don't mean that anyway. I mean it like this. God help me. I appreciate you. God help him. But you know, I know what the problem is. The problem is the rejection of folks. I believe that's why you say God help him. Because we got a we got a group of people that says they're saved and there's no evidence of it. That's the truth. Paul said I want you to know about a power of God that is already working in you. So, just a little a little scripture. Is this a work of God? He said in Psalm 100 verse number 3. Every one of us what did you have to do with your birth, naturally? Your natural birth. Every one of you that are sitting here, what did you have to do with your natural birth? That was in the power of somebody else, wasn't it? What about your spiritual birth? Now, remember our condition. Remember that we were dead. Remember that we were lost. Remember that we were living in sin. Remember that we were under the power of Satan. Remember that we were children of wrath as others. Remember that we hated God. We loved darkness. We loved our sin. Now you tell me, what did we have to do with our salvation? Preacher, we believed. Who gave you the faith to believe? You know, there. I, I say this, folks. There's a cause there is a cause for you to believe. Why did you buy that truck? Why? You just bought that truck out of your free wheel just off of the top of your head? No, there was a cause behind it. Why did you put those clothes on? Huh? There's a cause. Every decision that ever man ever makes is not outside. It's not. It's not you without any outside influence. Every decision that you make is made because of things that come before it. You that are saved. Why are you saved? You were lost. You were hating God. You were in darkness, you were enjoying your sin why are you saved? Just all of a sudden one day you decided you'd get saved Why my God what a what a what a fallacy I'll tell you why you're saved. Because the Word of God came to you. Because God was working on you. Because God was convicting you. Because God was doing the work in your heart. Because you realized you were a sinner on the road to hell. And because God was working on the inside of you. And friend, the only reason that you're saved today is because God brought you to the place and gave you the faith to believe that the Lord Jesus died for you. He did it all. Psalm 100 verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Jonah said, Salvation is of the Lord. Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Is this a work of God? How can this be? Well, I tell you, Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth, Thou hearest the sound thereof. You know what it is? It's mysterious unto the natural man. Salvation is a mystery to the natural man. Salvation is the work of the Word and the Holy Spirit of God. If I ever get to it one day, I'd like to start in Genesis in the beginning of the world, a friend, and bring it down to my salvation and your salvation. And I'll tell you what you're going to see from the very beginning to your salvation and mine. It's a work of the Word and the Holy Ghost and everything every place where there's a man born or born again or a creation. It's a work of God, a work of the Word, and a work of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, you want to see a work of the flesh? Look at Ishmael. There is your work of the flesh. There is a work of what man can do. There is a work of an opposer under the will of God, an opposer under the promises of God, an opposer unto Isaac, an opposer under the church. That's what man can bring to pass. But I tell you, when God does a work, uh, by the Word and by the Holy Ghost, there will be a birth from God. You know the reason you're saved? It's a work of God. He says to us in Romans chapter 1, so... Romans chapter 1 and verse number 17. Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God Undo salvation. Well, preacher, now there it is. There's salvation. It's the Word of God. I tell you the Word of God. The Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, all you have to do is believe. That ain't in you. God gives you the faith to believe. And as Joseph said on a... On a, I, I'm not sure if it was at a different service or it was in the Sunday school. I'll tell you what faith is. Faith is a persuasion of God Almighty. You say, I believe. I'll tell you the reason you believe, because God persuaded you. God gave you the gift to believe. <laughs> you know something, folks? The truth is, conviction is a gift from God. Our guilt, our guilt is a gift from God. That's right. Our guilt. Doc, I'm not interested in taking that medicine. Let me give you my prognosis, and then we'll see if you want to take the medicine when He gets done giving you the prognosis of what's wrong with you, when He gets done telling you what the, what, what the effects and what the, uh, the result of this disease that you've got, when He gets done telling you all the effects and all that's going to happen through this disease, I tell you, you'll be happy and glad to take the medicine, but not until... So is this salvation of the Lord? It is. Listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 18. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Verse number 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So... It's God working in you. I want you, I want you to know. Paul is saying, I want you to know about the power of God that's already working in you. You that have believed, that's the power of God working in you. I don't want you to know that there's a power available. I don't want you to know that there's a power that you could have. I want you to know that there has already been the power of God working in you. I tell you, that ought to encourage us. That ought to assure us. That ought to help us along. So this power of God, it's an energy. It's a force. So as you think about this, listen to Ephesians chapter number, number 2. Let me, let me read just a little bit more. Philippians, about this work of God. It's not of you. It's of God. Ephesians 2 and 10 for we are His workmanship, we are His product, created. He's the manufacturer, He's the proprietor, He's the one that brings it. You are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained, made ready beforehand, that we should walk in them. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus Christ. Who begins this work? If you love God, why do you love God? I hear it all over the church. Why do we love God? Because he first loved us. Who started that relationship? God started that relationship. He began a work in you. He's going to finish that work. Philippians two twelve two thirteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You think that's only after salvation? It's before, during, and after. Think with me. For it is God... It is God which worketh in you. So there's that energy Paul's talking about working over here in Ephesians. That mighty power that worketh in you. For it is God which worketh in you the energy both to will and to do. So it is God who brought me to a place of being lost and undone. It is God who gave me the ability to call on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God who persuaded me that Jesus died for my sins. It was God who persuaded me that outside of salvation I was going to die in my sins and go to hell. And I tell you it is God who continues to work in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure, of His desire, of His purpose. It's God that does that. i tell you, we're talking about a great salvation. We're talking about a mighty power that works in you. Isn't it amazing that the power that a lot of folks have got is not a power that's It's not bigger than them. They are bigger than it. They are over, able to overcome and able to suppress and able to go on and able to never move and never able. They're always in control. you think things and i don't mean I don't mean chaos, I mean out of the usual do you think things were out of the norm on the day of Pentecost who was who was in control he, the Holy Ghost does he ever take over? I mean, according to the Word of God. According to the Word of God, He says this to us. I believe it's in Galatians. No. And be not drunk with wine. He's going to give us something that everybody at that time, and I believe everybody at this time, can relate to. Be not drunk with wine. There's a man that is out of his normal control. There is a man that is under the influence and under the control of some beverage, some intoxicating drink that he's taken in. He says, Be ye not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. What what does that mean? I tell you, He's talking about us. He's not talking about the indwelling spirit. He's talking about the indwelling spirit that overcomes you. He's talking about the indwelling spirit that takes control. He's talking about the in you know what he's talking about? He's talking about God in you. What about that? That here I am, a little five-foot eight worm. And I can control God who lives within me. He must not be much of a God, is He, Anthony? I mean, if a God that's no bigger than I can control Him and keep Him suppressed and keep Him down, what kind of a God do I have? It's not the God of this salvation in Ephesians chapter 1. It's not a God of mighty power, of surpassing power, of great power. It's not a God that can work and I cannot hinder. I tell you, this is a God uh, that Paul is talking about that is able to overcome you. Working in us. Maybe one or two more times in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says this, I am what I am by the grace of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I have labored more abundantly than they all. What about that? A man that come along after Christ was dead, after Christ was raised from the dead, a man that persecuted the church, a man that made shambles of the church. This man said, I labored more abundantly. You think that's a lie? Is he bragging? He's not bragging. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. What's moving Paul to do this? I tell you, it's that power. It's that power that brought him from death unto life. According, and what is, I'm wanting your eyes to be enlightened, your understanding, that you might know what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward, or in us, who believe. According to. So, you know, that's where we started with this little look at Ephesians, was that little phrase, according to. So, in conformity with, in agreement with, consistent with, depending upon, as stated, as reported because of, so this same power that works in you, is the same power according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So you mean the power of God that's working in you is according to or in resemblance or in likeness to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So where were we? I mean, what better picture could there be that He's going to liken the power that worketh in you is in accordance to that same power. It's not two different powers. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead raised you from the dead. Is there any lack of power? Is there any limit? I mean, Paul said it's a surpassing, it's a mighty power. The greatness of his, uh, or or the 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 according to the work of his mighty power, the exceeding, the surpassing greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. (laughs) So, this same power is working in Christ. He worked in us. Now listen. Chapter 2, verse 1. Honest to goodness, Paul has left his thought in the second half of verse 20. He goes and tells us what God has done for this Christ that he raised from the dead. But in chapter 2, verse 1, he goes back to the thought of us. And you Hath he quickened who were dead. Verse 5, even when we were dead in our sins, have quickened us together with Christ. So Christ was dead, right? You and I have been made alive together with Him. When did we get up? In the mind of God, we got up when Christ got up. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Isn't that true? Jesus Christ was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. That's in the book. So, Paul's thought is the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead raised you and I from the dead. We were dead as well. We weren't dead naturally. We weren't dead in the flesh. We were dead spiritually. As far as God's concerned, until you're saved, until you're born again, until you put your faith and trust in the the work of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sin, raised again for your justification, as far as God's concerned, you're dead. In time... I came to the realization that I needed to be saved. In 1983, for me, God persuaded me I was lost and going to hell. God persuaded me that I was dead in trespasses and sin. Listen to the book of chapter 2, verse 1. And you have quickened who were dead in trespasses and sinned. Let me tell you something. He's not talking about my sins against Joseph. Or my sin against... Kevin, or my sin against Larry. He's talking about my sin against God. I sinned against God. Not only did I sin against them, against my fellow man, against my mother, against my father, against my family, against the authority, but I sinned against God. I was dead in trespasses and sin and He quickened me through and by that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want you to know this, that same power that raised him. Raise me. We need to be aware of this. God, this will make you shout and make you enjoy your salvation. Were we dead? We were dead. Verse number 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Right? Why, how, why am I made alive? Well, there's got to be a reason why I'm made alive. It must be something God foresaw in me. Could you show me that in your Bible? Could you show me any good thing that God foresaw in you? Would you reason with me just a moment? That God created you. Any good thing that is in you is by God, even from creation. He did not see one good thing in you that made Him save you. Preacher, He saw, I would believe. Who gave you the faith to believe? How could he see that you would believe if he did not give you the faith to believe? It wasn't in you. You did not have it. He saw that I would believe. God foresaw. The Bible never ever says that God foresaw. The Bible says that God foreknew. It's not what. That's what you hear all the time. God foresaw what? Now you think with me, reason with me. People say God saw what I would do. That's not in the Bible. He foresaw you. Not what? A whom? For whom he foreknew? For whom? Not what? Whom? Preacher God saw something good in me. He didn't see anything good in you. Preacher God saw that I would believe. He didn't see you would believe. The only reason you believe is because He get persuaded you and gave you the faith to believe. You were a rejecter. You have nothing to offer God. You have absolutely nothing to offer God in your salvation. If you do, it is not by grace. Verse number 5 said, We were dead. What can a dead man give to God in exchange for salvation? What can a dead man do? What can a... Preacher, it's got to equal 100. God's done 99. What can a dead man? Can a dead man add one? No, I tell you it's a work of God. You know what you know what all of this is talking about? From about verse number four all the way through about verse number verse number thirteen. I tell you what it's talking about. He's talking about glory to the grace. He's talking about glory to the grace of God. Glory to Him. Glory to God. Glory to the Son. Glory to the Holy Ghost. Glory to the grace of God that brought you to salvation. Glory to the power of God that was working in you, that would make you, cause you, bring you to the place that you would believe. Well, preacher, you're talking about God forcing people. You would not even... You think, you think you're living without God? You're not living without God. For me to force, for me to force something is to say that I'm not in control of it. Isn't that true? If I force Daniel, or Daniel forces me, that's two opposing forces, Right? I'm not a force in opposition to God. I exist because of God. He is in control of me every moment of every second of every day from eternity past to eternity future. He is in control. He doesn't force anything. He is always in control. And if you say against my will, I'll say no ma'am and no sir. He brought me to the place that I willed, I desired, I wanted to be saved. And that's the truth. And if you're saved, He brought you to that same place. So we were dead. We are His workmanship. The same power that raised the Son of God from the dead raised the Christian from the dead. The Christian is a work and a manifestation of the work of God. I'll say it again. If you're a Christian, you are a work of God. It's the truth. If you're a real Christian, not say so, do so, be so. If you're a real Christian, you are a manifestation of God's work in a human being. We are His workmanship. So, we were children of wrath according to uh, according to verse, verse number 3. Among whom we also had our conversation in the time past and the lust of the flesh, the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherein He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Verse number 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? Grace, faith, both, all. It's all of Him. It's all of God. Every bit of it. It's all of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know something, my salvation, I cannot accredit. Honest to God, the truth is, I can't even accredit that I believed. I did believe but He persuaded me to believe. He gave me the faith to believe. He's not going to share His glory, folks. He's not going to share His glory. So, where are we? Listen to what the Bible says just a little bit farther, if you bear with me another minute or two. This working which he wrought in Christ when he has raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. You know what he did for me? He has let me sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I was dead, a child of the devil, on my way to hell. He raised me from the dead brought me from a child of hell and a child of Satan, made me a son of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and has allowed me thus far to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, as He exalted and raised the Son, so I am a son as well. He has raised me and exalted me and allowed me to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now, did I do that? No, no, that was the power of God. This exceeding greatness of His power to usward, or in us, who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So this work that God did. I believe that Paul is saying it like this. This is the greatest work that has ever been done. You might argue with that. And you know, we could look through the Bible. We could look Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. Right? So was there power, according to John chapter 1... (coughs) God was in the beginning. The Word was God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And all that was made was made by Him. So in the creation of the world, there's a manifestation of the power of God, isn't it? But look what happened after the creation of the world. (coughs) The fall. The devil. Six chapters down the road is the flood. That's the power of God, isn't it? But you know what that power of God brought? That power of God brought death to the whole world, to the animal kingdom as well, to the fowls of the air, to all of humanity, you have everything that crawleth or creepeth upon the face of the earth. It brought death to hell except for the eight souls and the animals. That was the power of God, wasn't it? What a power. So I go on. I go on and I hear, hear Sodom and Gomorrah. Great power, wasn't it? I mean, a power that rained fire and brimstone. And archaeology says it looks like there was a volcano or a great burning of the earth there. But you know, that power brought death, didn't it? There was a man and two daughters escaped. Out of that place. So just walk on with me through the Bible. So after that, we got the Exodus. We got the children of Israel. And He said it like this, I'm going to bring you out with a mighty hand. That was the power of God, wasn't it? The power of God brought them out of Egypt. They had spoiled Egypt. The power of God had brought Egypt down to a nothingness. All their crops, their animals, their people. There was some dead person in every one of their houses. And God, that was the power of God, was it not? He brought them to the Red Sea. The power of God parted the sea. And they walked through on dry dry ground. That's the power of God. But look at them. Not two days they're doubting God. He killed 185,000 Assyrians in one, one night. That's the power of God. So let's go to the New Testament. Let's think about the blind. Nobody's ever raised somebody, give sight to somebody that was born blind, but he did, didn't he? Somebody that was laying on the, on the stretcher headed to the graveyard raised him from the dead, didn't he? What about Lazarus? His sister said by now he stinketh. Raised him from the dead, didn't he? But listen to these words. Joseph covered it two three weeks ago. John chapter 5. Verily I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Go with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Jesus is talking to Mary at Martha. A brother has been dead for four days, and by now he stinketh. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I tell you, I'm talking about a power of God that's the greatest power that ever has or ever will be. You know what this power is? This power is the conqueror of the last enemy. What's the last enemy? Just, just think with me. So here I am. I'm 80 years old. I'm 90 years old. I've made it through. I've made it through life. I've made it through physical problems, marital problems, money problems, health problems, the battle with the devil, the battle with the, de- with the, the, uh, uh, the flesh, I've made it through all of that, but you know something? I still got a, I still got one more, I still got another battle, I still got an enemy to face. Right down at the very end, there's still an enemy to face. Praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ conquered that enemy. The power of God has conquered the final enemy. All oh, of that power of God from Genesis chapter number one. Uh, To Revelation, uh, friend, all of that is great and mighty power. But I'll tell you the greatest power that ever has been or ever will be is the power uh, that brings a man from death unto life and that man shall never die. You know I'm never going to die. Preacher, you're going to die. I may lay down this tent, but the real me The real me, living on the inside of the tent, shall never die. I've already died. I've already died. John chapter five. The time is coming, and now is, when the dead, the dead, shall hear the son, the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. I'm never going to die. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though that he were dead, yet shall he live, and shall never die. Believest thou this? Thank God through the power of God, I've been raised from the only death that I'm ever going to face. I'll never die again. And that power of God is working in you that are saved. If you're saved, it's already been at work. 1 Corinthians, I want to read two or three verses and I'll hush. I've already alluded to this one. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now listen to me. If you're saved, that's already happened. I don't know what I'm going to go through to lay this tent down. But I know this, I am never going to die again spiritually. I have died the only death, and I tell you that by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, I have been raised from the dead. Listen to the latter part of that 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The latter part of that says this, So when this corruptible, when this corruptible, you're looking at the corruptible, shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass saying, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the sting sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory, the victory of what? The victory over sin and the victory over death through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the power of God that raised Him from the dead, I have the victory over sin and over death. That power, church, right here tonight, and to the church at Ephesus, was already working in them that believed. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. So he saved us, called us, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now. It was. It was a gift. When did we receive it? We received it in time for us to real, the realization of it was in time before the foundation of the world god had you a gift realized in time but is now made manifest by the appearing of jesus our savior jesus christ listen who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel praise god you know what we've got through the gospel we've got life and immortality through believing the word of god One more time. Revelation 20. Revelation 20. So the great white throne judgment has come. All of the dead have stood before Him and they've been judged out of the books. But in Revelation chapter number 20... The Bible says in verse number 14, "And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. How did these folks how did these folks escape the second death? They had part in the first resurrection. The first resurrection was God Almighty raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And you and I that believe God up with Him, that was through and by the power of God. Death and hell, I have no part of that. I'll not be there. The second death had no power over me. I've already had a first resurrection. That's it. Amen. By the power of God, that raised Him from the dead, I live. I live. Chapter 2, verse 1, I was dead, but He quickened me. <laughs> this ought to give us a hope, a great expectation, a confident expectation. This ought to assure us But you know something? There's going to have to be a manifestation of that working in you before there's ever any assurance. Are we really saved? I've said it before. Bring a six-pound youngin' home and it turns the world upside down at our house. An almighty God that the heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool moves into the heart of men and women, and there's no change. Does that make any sense to you? Somebody's lying, and it's not God.